and welcome to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Tiger Cast. Off yet another win, so we're looking all right at the moment, which is really good against the Giants, who are always a tough opponent no matter what. But we're now sitting fifth on the ladder and making a real charge to try and claim fourth spot. Uh, tonight I'm joined by a guest with his first time on the show, RT. Welcome to the show. G'day, how you going? Good, yourself? Not too bad. That's the way. And like we do with all new guests on the show, um, how did you become a Richmond supporter? Uh, family. The mum and my auntie, you know, they were heavily involved uh, back in the late 70s. Um, and we, we used to tag along all the time, cheer squad, you know, the works. So, yeah, 40 odd years, um, yeah, following the, the, the tigers through all the ups and downs and more downs than ups, but it's going well at the moment. It is going well. Uh, speaking of the ups, the, obviously the grand final in 2017. What's your favourite memories of that day? And were you at the game? Yeah, we were sitting two bays from the interchange bench um, on the lower level, so pretty much right on the 50-metre line. Um, so pretty much when the siren went dusty and that were right in front of us. Um, and just, yeah, the best thing, it was my mum, my, my son, myself, um, you know, just being, being there and, and witnessing it in person was... Yeah, just one of the greatest things ever. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, fingers crossed we can all be there again this year. So Yes. <laughs> it's interesting when I'm sure you would have seen all these comparison stats about our sort of win-loss ratio and percentage from the same time this year compared to 17. It's quite yes. freakish. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, speaking of that, I, I kind of sort of think Geelong have actually done um, us from last year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the uh, overachieving, all the peaking too yeah, early. Yeah, I, I think they've, they've gone too early and, and they're, they're setting themselves up for a little bit of a fall. Speaking of the catch, do you remember back in 17 when um, there was that side-by-side graph with a direct comparison between us and Geelong for when they won a flag, when they got balm, then the VFL team won a flag? Yep. And, yep. Okay, so that's been reposted again recently. I saw it today. And yep. it actually shows that after their grand final... Uh, their first one, they then had a shock yep. prelim loss, which is what yes. we did, and then they won again the next year. So we're still um, kind of tracking on that same sort yeah, of path yeah. as what the Cats did, which I found really interesting. No, just just follow the path. That's that's all we need to do. Just keep following that path. That's it. And uh, the game on the weekend against the Giants, Richmond 13-16-94 defeated the Giants 9-13-67 by 27 points, uh, putting us fifth on the ladder. What would you make of that game? In pretty bad conditions, but I thought we did okay, all things considered. Yeah, um, I, I didn't get to go to the game itself. I had to watch a replay um, afterwards, but watching the game, I, I thought um, it was another step forwards in, in how we... Um, yeah, how we'd come on from the, the Saints and, and the Suns. Um, the few of the guys that had come back from injury have got that extra bit of run under them. Um, you know, Jack back gave the forward line a totally different um, setup and structure. Um, and then the opposition just couldn't sit on Lynch. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it was a step in the right direction, um, but still plenty of more work to do. The Jack Rewalt comment's a really interesting one, and it was one that we made note of in the halftime podcast uh, with Cocho that 
There was a bit of play when the ball got kicked in long and Jack and Tom were in there in two one-on-one contests and Phil Davis just shit himself practically and grabbed Lynch and that's when he got that mark and goal on the line. Yeah. Uh, they, you're right, well, they can't peel off and they can't go third no. man up and kill the contest because if you leave one, the other one's going to get it. So it's it's such a critical um, matchup for us, but it's going to cause people a lot of headaches for opposition. Yeah, yeah. And um, like there's, there's not many... Um, sides in in the comp that have two quality one-on-one defenders who can who can both play on a, a, a gun keeper position forward um yeah and then the thing is with with jack he's he's smart enough that he can get up the ground once he gets a bit of fitness into him he'll take his man up the ground and, and create even more space for lynch um, and then Lynch is starting to look like he's getting on his bike a bit more and covering a bit more ground as well. And, yeah, they're, they're going to create more and more headaches as they, they get that fitness and, and they get that, you know, chemistry going with each other as well. Well, that's how they set up that first goal for Jack, wasn't it? Lynch led up to the kicker, grabbed the yeah. marked the ball, wheeled around and, and got it straight in. It's really funny because I suppose Lynch is a key forward. He knows how he would want it delivered to him really quickly yeah. from that mark. So he did the same thing to Jack and... Waltz in and get his, his first goal back. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. There's, the flexibility we have is really good. And uh, it also comes down to that not many other teams have two good enough defenders to be able to stay one-on-one as well. And I think on the flip side, that's where we're lucky that with Rance, when he's playing in Asprey, that we can still do that. It, West Coast are probably the other team with the two dominant power forwards, I'd say, in Darling and Kennedy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're in a pretty unique position, I think. Yeah, no, no. Like, um... As you're saying, like West Coast is probably the only other team, and and um, you know it's very rare that both of them get get shut out of a game, um, you know, for an extended period of time. And I think the other thing um, that helps us as well is um, Marbior coming in um, and and having four or five years' experience. I think it is, um, you know, playing as a, a key forward um, at VFL level. He comes in and just gives us that third option as well where is you know if jack or or tom's getting held you've still got that extra third toll to then go to as well um and and he's not like a big slow lumbering sort of guy he he gets on his bike as well so i yeah i just like the way that we're we're starting to structure up um in the forward half and Going flipping to the end of the field with the back line, I thought the game against the Giants was the first time our back line looked really settled again, like we'd seen in previous years. Uh, they're doing really well covering, obviously, the absence of Rance, but Grimes, Asprey, Vlosten, uh, Broad, in that first half, the setup behind the ball was, was just exceptional, and I think that's what helped get us off to a good start. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I, I really like those four as... Um, the, the taller options. Um, I know, like, um, Vlosten's, you know, he is, you know, a smaller guy, but he, he, he does play um, a, a little bit taller. And he's not afraid, afraid to, to, to fly for his marks and, you know, take take the, the body contact and, and, you know, get in there and, and be that interceptor that Rance was being as well. And I think it's taken a little bit of time for, for him to adjust to that role and, and also for, for Broad to, you know, sort of slide across into what Vlosten's role was and everyone's sort of adjusted it. And I think now that they've got it 
down pat. Um, those four a nice foundation to build around, and then mm. we've got um, you know the the Hawley, Short, Edwards, Stack. You know, even um, Ellis and, and McIntosh, they get back there and they give us that run and, and speed out of the back line that really complements the um, the four stay-at-home guys. Yeah, and those other names you mentioned, it's really handy to be able to have them just rotate through um, just whenever. It gives us so much more drive. I mean, Hawley had 30 disposals and went at 77%, so he's... He's had a pretty good year, I reckon, and um, just the way he sets us up from the back half is good. But to know that we can chuck an Edwards or a stack there as well is just a really good luxury to have. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's the flexibility that gives us too. Like you know, like you know, Shorty came back, so they they flipped stack up forwards, and he creates a, a headache up forwards. And you know, if if something wasn't going right um, later in the game, um, you know, or, or during a game coming up. You know, we can always go, okay, stack, we can flip stack back, we can move short to a wing, we can, you know, change things around on the fly. And we're not, I don't think we're as one-dimensional as we as we were. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's a really good call. Uh, speaking of stack, how good was his first goal? Just taking the absolute piss, wasn't he? Just yeah, shooting, yeah, yeah. dancing in and out, and yeah, slots it. I, I couldn't tell on the on the the coverage whether it was overly um, wet at that sp- at that time, but just the way he was handling the ball, it was like uh, a very early season game when the weather's perfect. You know, the ground's hard and everything, and he's just you know one grab, give it, get it, go, turn on a silver dime, and then you know just slot the goal. And I, I think that sort of got. Got the crowd fired up a little bit because it was a miserable yeah. day. A little bit, you know, it, 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 like watching the game, I was like, well, this is just going to drag on for two hours. And, and after that, you sort of like, everyone got a little bit of a spark and, and the team sort of kicked into gear. Yeah, agree. Set the tone for they, us. they went from there. So, yeah, it was it was more than just a, a goal. It was just the way it, it got everything going. The other player that made the conditions look really dry was Bolton, who had another really good game. 29 disposals at 76%, 8 contested possessions, 7 score involvements, 4 clearances and 6 tackles. I think he got a goal as well. Uh, hasn't he just really stepped up in the last few games getting more midfield time? Yes, yes. Shy has um, been one of the, the boys that I've watched quite regularly at um, VFL level. And then just the, the anticipation of... Get him getting a tank to be able to get into the midfield. Um, at VFL level, he was doing it the last sort of eight eight months, um, playing through the midfield and and just you know treating games like you know he was playing against little league kids. He, he was just doing things in in VFL level that sort of made you stand up and go, "Well, this this kid's got something." But when he got his opportunity at AFL level, he just you know, was plugged into uh, playing as a small forward at, at the time. And, and, you know, now they've released him into the midfield. One touch, gets out of traffic. He's, you know, Shane Edwards, Mark two. Yep, that's a good call. You're right. And having two players like that in your team who can give those quick-releasing handballs to open a game up is so important to have. Yeah, well, you know, it's they get the ball fed out to them. They can then either break the game open by getting out of the traffic or, yeah, shoot that handball out to the outside runners and we're gone. You know, and, and, and again, it, it's all about that flexibility that gives us that I don't think we had back in 17. 
and he obviously got the Rising Star nomination this week, which is very well deserved. Um, yes. And if the final thing for him to do is to put pen to paper and sign an extension with this, and I had someone tweet me saying that he he's going to, and that he kind of alluded to that he knew something that the rest of us didn't. But even the yeah. newspaper article, the interview done with him, um, he pretty much said that he's not he's not homesick. He's out here with his girlfriend. He's obviously got the other WA boys here with him as well. So I think we've set up a really good support network to make sure we do secure him. Um, the only thing is going to be that Ralph Carr's going to probably milk it for what it's worth. And he's he's good at what he does, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him and his clients. But um, I think all things are hopefully pointing to a Bolton signature. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of expecting it'll be, yeah, touch wood, uh, going back to the earlier thing about following Geelong, um, Dusty announced his staying, you know, just before the, the 2017 finals. And yeah. uh, you know, it'd be nice the, the, the week of the bye before the finals and Shy comes out and goes, yeah, three years, I'm staying. You know, just to give the, everyone that little bit of a kick along as well. Yeah, agree. Uh, Kane Lambert, his importance to our side, I think, is starting to become a lot more evident now. Uh, have you made his return the last couple of weeks? Yeah, he um, him coming in, um, I think, has, has helped um, you know re- relieve a little bit of the pressure on um, the the, the um, Prestia was coughing, um, and, and also um, it, it's you know, just allowed Dusty to sort of as as well just take a step back and, and not have to be that. Um, you know, they, they go to guy all the time. It's not like they have to go through through Dusty or not, nothing. It's you know you can go to to um, Kane and and he just covers the ground up and down, up and down all day. He's you know underrated by a lot of opposition, but you know within to quote Dimmer, within our four walls, I, th- I think he's very very highly rated. And it's it's the goal sense as well. Like that, a goalie kicked on the boundary from that ruck contest. He just snapped it in wet conditions, and as soon as it left his boot, it, everyone knew it was going in. He's just got that ability to read the play exceptionally well. Yeah, he's. I think because he is so underrated, um, and and even by opposition opposition clubs, it it allows him to get out into that space um, where he he can hurt teams on the, on the scoreboard. Is it um, six goals in the last two weeks, I think it is? Yeah, um, yeah, he's on fire. Yeah, so, you know, um, yeah, he, he's, he's just sliding under the radar because there is so much um, big-name talent that is ahead of him on the list. And you mentioned him before, but I just want to give another shout-out to Dion Prestia. I think he's had an outstanding month of football. In the first half, I just felt like he was everywhere. And I must admit, I was actually shocked to see he only had 24 disposals. But it, it kind of that then makes sense because of how influential he was when he had the ball. He was doing a lot of good things when he had it. Yeah, yeah. Prestia was uh, the, you know, one of the ones um, back when he first came and everyone was like, oh, we overpaid for him and... You know, he's never going to be anything and he's just going to be a, you know, run-of-the-mill player and we, we overpaid. But when he arrived, he was under a bit of an injury niggle, um, wasn't able to, to, to train as, as hard as, you know, what he should. Um, and, you know, he's had that big, solid trading block, uninterrupted pre-season, and, and yes, we're reaping the rewards for it now. Um, you know, he, he, he's... Another, like Lambert, he just covers the ground up and down all day. You know, he doesn't stop, 
takes a battering, gives out a battering as well, and, and he gets the ball going our way, and he's smart in, in how he runs. Um, and I, I, I think he's slipped into the, the Sean Grigg role of a few years ago where he was just that link-up midfielder that helped the Stars do what they do. Yeah, because you can't guard them all, can you? Like Someone no. like him is going to get off the chain and... Yeah, before you know, if you're catching opposition off guard, putting him in two minds, like, do we go to Presley, do we not? Then someone else gets off the chain. So he's in a really good spot in the team, and um, yeah, he's playing his role exceptionally well. Um, I know we had we had a lot of good things happen on the weekend against the Giants, but there were still two stats in particular that I reference a lot on the show and on the board as well. But the contested possessions, we got smashed by 25, and the clearances we lost by nine. Now the clearances. In wet conditions, it probably doesn't matter too much because the ball probably isn't going to be marked too often from a quick entry. But I still think the contested possessions, losing by 25, that's a big number. And it's actually surprising we won the game based on a pure stat perspective. Do we have to really start to address this quickly before we head into finals, assuming we make it? Um, I, 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 I don't think we're, we're like a, a contested ball side if that makes sense um i think you know like it's been mentioned quite a few times over over the year the the last couple of years that um with with our contested ball um if, if we can sort of break even or you know not be too badly beaten um and we can create a lot of um dirty possessions coming out of those um contested situations um that enables us to get our rebound game and turnover game up and running. Um, and I, so I, I don't think we need to, to address it um, too drastically. I, I think that the loss of um, the likes of um, Jack Ross, um, you know, who, who was helping win the footy um, early on when, when Koch was out and, and uh, um, you know, helped carry the load a little bit, um, I think over the next couple of years, well, not the next couple of years, over the next season, we'll, we'll probably see an improvement next year. Um, but I, I think this year it's probably a little bit too late to to address it too drastically. I, I think they'll just sort of tighten up a few areas around the contest to, to ensure that opposition aren't getting clean takeaways. Yeah, I suppose that's the bigger issue, isn't it? It's the clean ones. If it's scrappy, it's not too bad. But yeah, we, yeah. we don't want clean, quick entries inside our defensive fifty. No, no, no. To... I, I think, yeah, I, I think the, the clean entries, um, the likes where I think the Geelong game was the one where um, they were just getting clean entries all the, all all game. Yeah, you know, and and that just you know tore tore us apart. Um, but when you got sides where they're, they're struggling to get that clean um, takeaway from a contest. Um, and don't have that time and space to then hit up a, a leading forwards or a, you know an unmarked teammate down the field. Um, I think that's what creates our ability to get that ball back in our defensive fifty, and then you know hurt them on the op- on the rebound because they're all streaming one direction, and then suddenly they've got to turn around and go back the other way. Speaking of uh, streaming the other way, I tweeted a bit of footage, and it was put up on our board. Uh, the goal that Castagna got. Uh, when the ball was kicked inside, I suppose, the defensive 50, 
both Stack and Castagna were, were pretty much neck and neck. And then as soon as that ball was turned over on the outer side, to see the work rate of those two players sprinting all the way to the other end of the ground, Stack ended up at the top of the goal square. Castagna obviously marked the ball, played on, and maybe shouldn't have played on, but still kicked the goal. I just find it fascinating the amount of trust that our players have in one another, that they will win the contest and they will get that link of possessions right to then be in that right spot to capitalise. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, it it looks good when it ha- when it works. Um, it looks horrible when it doesn't, though. Um, there, there, there was times, I think it was uh, Collingwood round two, um, where we were getting the turnover and our blokes were taking off. <coughs> Sorry, Michael. Um, just taking off and heading down the field. And then we would turn it over on the wing and all our blokes were getting caught out of position. So it's... Um, it, it, there is a lot of trust that's involved in, in them taking off. Um, and I, I think when you've got um, dangerous players like Stack, um, like Rioli, like Castagna, where they take off, it, it does make their uh, opponent run with them. Um, so we don't get caught over as badly if we do turn it over. Yeah, I suppose it's just that uh, the old high-risk, high-reward scenario that we sort of live and die by by the looks of it. But like yeah. you said, the fact that opposition defenders are pretty much forced to follow our runners means that they haven't got too many loose numbers behind the ball. And I think that just gives even more credit to our defence for coping with those kind of situations where we do turn it over. We still don't really concede a lot of goals. We always manage to harbour contest um, and cause a ball up. So it's... yeah. High risk, but yeah, I think they've got a lot of trust in our back six as well. Yeah, I, I think that comes back to um, them having, and, you know, it's been mentioned a lot of times that they're a, a structure-based um, and a setup-based team. Um, so, like, our our back six or the back four, you know, the, the Asprey, Grimes, Vloston and Broad, um, they sort of have that discipline that, yeah, they get the, the ball, um, you know, we get create the turnover and, and everyone takes off. But they don't just run off in, in you know, like headless chooks and, and take off down the field as well. They sort of hang back a little bit and, and still make sure that that structure behind the ball is there. So if there is a turnover, it's not going to come back and go over their heads. Yep. It's We've got that safety net there as well. Yeah, no, you're spot on there. A huge game coming up this week against Port Adelaide, who come off a big loss against the Lions. That was fascinating to watch that first quarter. Before we get into the game, I wasn't aware of this stat until I sort of caught wind of it. Then I thought I'd look into it a bit further. But since 1997, we've only played them at the MCG five times. That I find that staggering. So there was 97, 98, 07, 2012, and 2016 is the last time, and compared to 21 times in Adelaide. Uh, yes. I don't know how that works. Surely, yeah. I mean, to me, logically, it just seems like you would do one here, one there, one here, one there. But to have it that lopsided, is that's quite remarkable. Yeah, I, I, it's, it was a bugbear of mine you know, a decade ago. Um, how come every year we're, we're drawn to play Port in, in Adelaide? They're, they're never drawn to play us at, at our home ground. If they did come here, we had to play them at, at um, Marvel. Yeah. You know, we never got them on, on our deck. And then it seemed like every time we did get them on our deck, um, you know, it just never went right for us. Well, we um, were shit at the time, and it didn't matter if we yeah. were, oh, where no, we played. <laughs> the, the, the one that hurt, I think, the most is, I, I'm pretty sure it was Richo's 250th. And, you know, 
um, they came over and, and the Corns brothers just, you know, had their way with us. And, you know, Richo, I think, I am, I'm fairly sure it was his mm. 250th and it just ended up as a, you know, a demoralising loss sort of thing and everyone sort of traipsed off and kicked the cat saying, you know, how could we do that to Richo? But we got our revenge, I suppose, when we ruined Corns' retirement. So Yeah, true. And obviously we uh, played him earlier on this year and beat him with our VFL team, essentially. And that's not even exaggerating. Uh, so many people around it wasn't funny. And that that win almost set up our season in a, in a weird way. It kept us alive and kept that belief instilled in the playing group and the supporters, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And it just showed that... I think it showed the playing group that, that, that again, the structure and, and the, the setups that we have um, are good enough and it's strong enough to cope... Um, regardless of, of who's missing, as long as everyone plays their role. Um, and, you know, I've, I've sort of mentioned that often on, on the board itself, that um, the guy, you know, the role players that we have are so important to, to our overall success. Um, it's all well and good having the big four in, in Koch and Dusty and, and Jack and, and Rance and... Yeah, but without the role, the good role players there to, to play their roles, it's it's not going to work. And did you happen to watch the Port and Brisbane game, or catch even just the first bit of it after the media? No, started? no, no I've I, I seen um, the, the highlights. Um, I, I sort of flipped it because I was watching the replay of our game, and I flipped over their game and just finished. And I was um, just watching the interview with with Lockie Neal, and you know they showed the highlights of them going after him. Um, yep. early on in the game. Yeah, it's an <coughs> so interesting like tactic. Yeah, they went pretty hard at him early and Ken Hinckley like, literally said that's what they were going to do in a on-the-ground interview with Fox. Um, yeah. But it was interesting because, the, I mean, the Lions flew the flag for Lockie, but they also just smashed him on the scoreboard, put seven or eight goals past him. And Port obviously did this against Melbourne as well to Max Gorn, so they've got a bit of form in that area. And I feel like they're a team that has bullied us around the contest in the past with their bigger bodies. So... It's going to be interesting to see whether they try a similar tactic against a Dutch, a Dutchy, Dusty, Koch or a Prestia um, and get physical with them. Do you think they might have another crack at it given that it backfired so badly last um, week? I was actually thinking about this um, after the, you know, um, seeing what they did to, to Lockie Neal and I thought, you know, yeah, Dusty um, against the Giants, you know, sort of let their tag again under his skin a little bit and it put him off the game. Um, but in saying that, you know, we were in a bit of horrible form at that, at that stage. Um, whereas I think this time around, I, I, I think they might try and, and um, rough up a couple of blokes, but I don't think it'll be um, like those three. I think it'll be the, you know, the Lamberts, the, 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 the Edwards, um, you know, those role players that are the next level down that, you know, we need to, to play at a at a high enough level to complement our stars. Yeah, even just as you were saying those names, even I thought Sydney Stack might cop some treatment as well, given the form he's in, try and put him off his game. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's something that, you know, obviously he hasn't sort of had to deal with that that sort of close attention. So, you know, having one of their, um, you know, more experienced defenders go to him and, and just, you know, give him a bit of a, a nudge and, you know, a bit of a, you know, constant barrage, um, 
you know, it, it might be something that sort of takes his focus off the game. And, um, you know, Lambert's the same sort of thing. You know, they get under his skin, you know, knock him down all the time. You know, you seen with Max Gorn when they'd done it to him. Mm. By the end of the game, he, he was nutted. He, he just couldn't go anymore because they'd just taken a physical toll on him. So, yeah. you know, ta- targeting a couple of our, you know, next-tier blokes and, and taking them out of the game um, might be a smarter way for them to attack the game rather than focusing on... Because Cochin will just, you know, they go at him, he'll just keep going at the ball. So Cochin, he won't really mind. And Presley is, you know, the same sort of thing. And, and Dusty will just be dusty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but those, those, you know, that like I said, the, that next level down, if they target them, you know, it could... You know, sort of open us up a little bit because then Cochin and Dusty and, and that they, they think, well, I've got to do a little bit more. Yeah. You know, to, to, to fill the void sort of thing. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think you're right. I reckon they might go down that path if they choose to, which be interesting to see how our guys respond because uh, you've got to find that balance of not getting pushed around but also keeping your mind on the game. And, and I think the other thing too is after we did um, for. for lack of a better word, embarrass them on, on their deck with our VFL side. Um, I, I just, with all the grief that Hinkley's copping um, in the media and, and from Port fans at the moment, I just got a feeling he's going to have them wound up um, to, to, to crack in hard early on. And if we can sort of withstand that um, and, and do like Brisbane did, put the score on the board and demoralise them with the scoreboard, I, I just think, yeah, that they'll they'll drop their bundle. They're a young side as well. They've got a lot of young kids as well. So I think if we can withstand that early barrage and hurt them on the scoreboard, all of a sudden, you know, they don't... It's a lot hard to be... A lot harder to be tough when you're chasing six or seven goals. Yeah, spot on. And the Lions did it really well. It was just essentially quick ball movement and a lot of pressure when they had the ball, which is pretty much our forte. So... If we can make sure we've got that game on song, then there's no reason why we can't replicate what the Lions did. But I think you're spot on. They're, they're going to come at us hard in the first, um, and they've just got to yeah, weather the storm a little bit. And then hopefully, like you said, if we can put enough scoreboard pressure on them, we could actually break them and uh, the floodgates could open. Yeah, uh, yeah. Their form line's been interesting, Port Adelaide. It's the last month and a bit's been win-loss, 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 and this week happens to fall on the W, so we're going to have to buck the trend a little bit here, hopefully. Uh, so they're technically due for a win, but I just... This might sound arrogant, but when I look at their 22 of last week, I just think... I, I just don't see how they could beat us. I know that sounds strange, like... Yeah. Um, I, I, when you sort of look at it, um, it, it almost is a mirror of, of when we played them earlier in the season. Um, they were at pretty much full strength, and, and had, you know, we had, um, you know, three quarters of the side were, were missing almost. Yeah. Um, and then we went over there with a siege mentality and us against the world sort of thing and, you know, just came out and, and attacked the contest, attacked the game, you know, um, quieting the crowd by getting on, getting on top a bit early. And, you know, we were just able to roll with it and then, they weren't able to mount a challenge. And then, then this time, we're the ones with a pretty much full strength list, um, you know, minus one or two, 
and then they're coming across and, and Wines may be out and, and Ebert's officially out, um, Burton's officially out. You know, so they're missing a few guys. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you hope you don't sort of get the flip side of what happened yeah. to us. Yeah, that's a fair call. And those outs are pretty big uh, for them because their plays, especially even in wines, that have typically done a lot of damage to us in the past around the, yeah. the contest. Yeah, there's bigger bodied midfielders, um, yeah. which then means, you know, a lot sort of falls onto Rockliffe and um, uh, if Powell Pepper come, I don't know if he's back in or coming back in. Um, yeah, so it sort of falls onto them. And, and Rockliffe, for, for all... You know the possessions you get. He's he's not one that really hurts, um, in in my opinion. He, he's great for fantasy football. You know he gets his forty touches or whatever, and you think, yeah, great. But at, at the end of the day, when you think about it, he he doesn't really hurt um, yeah. with, with what he gets. So you know if our guys can get on top in the midfield, I, I think you know it could be a bit of a, a buffet um, lunch for at, at, the, at the G on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, the one to watch for them, as is with every game he plays, is Robbie Gray. He's probably the one that can do the most damage in multiple parts of the ground. But having those two other players out probably helps us focus a bit more attention on him if we have to. Um, yeah. I had written down that I wouldn't mind seeing Kane Lambert go head-to-head with him. Not not for Kane Lambert to fully negate him, because that's not his style, but yeah. just to keep him accountable and then even to hurt him the other way, because Lambert's going to hurt him running towards our goal. So I wouldn't mind seeing Kane have a crack at him. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd, in in this in the midfield area, um, yeah, yeah, have someone like like that that can expose Gray the other way, um, and then when Gray drifts forwards, um, the, the first name that springs to mind is you know, Mister Dylan Grimes. Yeah, the, you know, should be all Australian this year if if they're being serious. Um, have him take Gray when he goes forwards um, and, and just negate him when he's when he's up forward. And, and then, you know, in the midfield, have someone who can work off Gray and then hurt him by getting forwards and hitting him on the scoreboard as well. Charlie Dixon's the other interesting forward for them. He's not in the greatest of form. And there's even been a lot of people on the port board um, putting his name down as an omission, which I find a bit surprising given their lack of probably other big forwards. But... I mean, David Asprey's going to get the job on him. I think the key with this matchup is to make sure we don't give him any early, easy shots on goal because he seems to just really fade out of games if he doesn't get on the board early. So I think if we can, that should be a really big focus point for us. Yeah, I think it was a it was a couple of years ago um, when he, he sort of, I think he got hold of um, Rance early on, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that, but he, he sort of, Clunked a couple of marks you know, and got himself up and going, and then and that's when they were able to sort of get over the top of us. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know we need to sort of have that um, Dave playing tight on him, but um, you know also having the support of, of um, Boston and then Broad coming across and, and getting in front and taking his space, um, so he can't sort of lead up and, and get those early marks as well because he is he is a you know, he's not a small bloke. He is a big bloke. Who, oh, he's huge, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's going to take a bit to, for, for Dave to sort of push him around a little bit. So he's going to need someone coming over the top and, and helping him out as well. And that's where it comes down to having the right amount of midfield pressure as well. If we, we can't let Pal Pepper and Boak and 
Gray get easy ball inside 50 so he can just lead on to it. If we can put them under the pump and make them put it in the air a bit more, that's when our other defenders can obviously uh, peel off and, and kill that contest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and from, I suppose from our perspective with our two forwards, Jack and Tom, their second game back together. Um, and I, I don't know, I look at Port Adelaide's defenders and it doesn't scream danger to me, if that makes sense. So they've got Cleary and Hamish Hartlett were their two key defenders last week. Uh, I just feel like if we can get the ball in there quick enough, I'm not too sure they can contain both of them for a whole game. Oh, for the love of God, please put Hamish Hartlett on Jack Rewald. As good would it be? <laughs> oh, Jack would be like, Oh, it's like playing the Gold Coast again. Um, no, yep. no, I mean, no, no disrespect to Hartlett. He's, you know, he's a reason, reasonably good footballer, but he's not a key, key defender. Um, no, and they're pretty much doing this out of necessity because of the people they out, like what we have to do. So it's yeah. just a perfect time for us to try and exploit that now that we've got our guys back. And and you know, as a, again, if you if you're throwing, if if Nank happens to come back and you've got Chole in the side as well, it's just going to stretch Port. Um, down back even further, um, you know, where you can have, you know, the, the two tools constantly down there and then throw a third one in who just runs around. Um, you know, Port's defenders are going to be you know, scratching their head going, what do we do here? So, yeah, I, I think um, you know, we, we can create quite a bit of, again, it comes back to the midfield. Um, if we can win our fair share of clean ball there, we're going to, you know, give our blokes all the service all day, I think. And you've mentioned Nank. So he's obviously down as a test and a possible inclusion for this week. Do you, if it was, if it's you, do you pull the trigger and put him in, in a straight swap for Soldo? Or because given he's a bit of a bigger guy, do you let him play a half in the VFL first? Because Soldo's not getting pants by any stretch. He's doing all right. The, the, I would... The only, the only reason I would play Nank um, is... The, the VFL side doesn't play until the Sunday, and then we've got the um, Collingwood game on the Friday night the following. So it'd be a short turnaround for Nank, even though it's only half a game, it'd still be a short turnaround from Sunday to, to you know, be up and, and about by, by Friday again. So if, if they did pass him fit, um, I would put him into the, into the AFL side um, and I'd actually let, um, you know, let, let Chole do a lot more of the, the first ruck, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then have Nank sort of play Chole's role from last week where he only plays, say, 50% of game time, um, but gets those miles in the legs, gets the body ticking over a little bit, um, and, and it also just gives us that, you know, um, chance to have a really good look at, at, at Chole in... Um, you know, in a big game sort of thing, because he's, he's Charles, one of those guys that he, he frustrates the bejesus out of me at, when you watch him at VFL level, because when he doesn't have a lot of responsibility, he sort of floats around a little bit and doesn't get involved. But when you they put that responsibility on his shoulders, he, he gets involved and he's, mm-hmm. you know, um, take, you know, he sort of takes it as a challenge and he takes a challenge on it and he steps up to it. Um, so, yeah, maybe saying to him, hey, look, you're going up against last year's premiership winning Ruckman, um, you know, who's, who's carrying a niggle himself, um, but you, you know, put him up against him and, and get him to jump over him and get himself involved in the game early on. And then 
when life set gets a little bit tired and then if they use in rider in in if he's back in the side as well um you know you can have Nank go up against a bloke that's not going to sort of run him off his feet so to speak and just ease Nank back into it that way yeah, I don't mind that train of thought, actually, because it, it's a big couple of weeks coming up if Nank comes in, because Lysett's one of the best rucks going around at the moment, and then the following week, obviously, he's going to have to compete against uh, Grundy and Cox, so it's a fair lineup he's going to have to get through initially, so I think that reverse role might actually be not a bad idea, but if that's to take place, I'm just assuming that we just all assume it's going to be Soldo out, direct swap? Yeah, yeah, no, it would be Soldo out. Um, and Nank to come back in um, in in the ruck, but um, he'd be sort of playing the second ruck role this week, um, and and just getting him eased in back into the, back into the to the fray. And what about any other changes? Obviously, Josh Caddy played VFL last week and had a good game. Do you see him making his way back in for this one? Um, personally, I do. Um, I know a lot on the board are like, oh, he was horribly out of form um, when he did go out. Um, but I think he, Caddy is, is um, a, another one who, to me, is a complementary player um, in that he complements either our forward half as an extra marking option, goal-kicking option, um, or he complements our, you know, our stars in the midfield. So if you put him into the midfield and he's in there with the likes of Cochin and Dusty and Ed Prestia, um, where he's not getting um, the, the first off, um, you know, he's not getting one of the better opposition midfielders to, to play on, I, I think he can go in there and be that extra big body midfielder um, you know, that, that, that we sort of lack at, at, at times. Um, I think at times we are a little bit too small. So I would say he probably could come back in um, and it would be unfortunate, but um, uh, the egg would probably have to, to make way for, for that to happen. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the only other move that it could be for the egg. Um, I don't think there's any other players set to come back in just yet. I know Pickett's listed as one to two weeks away, so it's going to be interesting to see if we chuck him into the mix when he's ready to go as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd say he's probably at the more unlikely option than likely. Um, uh, you know, at this stage of the year, just having to pick up um, structures and, and game plans, um, um, especially heading into you know the, the business end of the season, um, which is a bit of a shame for him. It would have been great if he didn't break his finger early on and he could have you know, had four or five games under his belt coming in. Um, yeah. So I think he's probably a bit of an unlikely one at this stage. And the other ones listed on the injury list is Noah Bolter um, is on a test for his quad and Liam Baker has got a hip injury and that's down as a test as well. So I would assume that if they both get up, they're both probably going to play VFL, but still very handy options uh, waiting in the wings to come back in if required. Yeah. The other the other one that's an interesting one is um, Jack Graham. Yeah. Um, didn't got, – got omitted for Jack to come back, um, so probably drew the short straw there, um, but then didn't play in the VFL, so was obviously the holdover for for the for the AFL game. Yeah. Um, you know, do they pl- bring him back in as well and give us that? You know, instead of Caddy, do they do they bring Jack Graham back in? Yeah. Who, you know, was the, effectively the last to go out. 
um, before last week. So, you know, he's, he's another one that, you know, could come back in and, and he gives us that um, big body around the ball, um, a bit more defensively accountable than, than Caddy is. Um, so someone you could sit on a on a boke or, um, you know, even as you were saying before, like a, a Robbie Gray or something, someone just to run run with them and be that accountable player for them. Yeah, it's good to have those options there. Um, shit time to be a selector with uh, plenty of headaches on their, yes. on their table. At least it's for a good no. reason this time, not like earlier on in the year. Yeah, at, at the start of the year, everyone was screaming about, well, who do we pick because there's no one left? And, and now it's, who do we flick because everyone's ready? So... No, I'd much rather this headache than the other one. Yes, yes, much, 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 much better situation for us. All right, before we let you go, we'll get a tip from you, including margin for this game. Um, I think, as as we discussed earlier, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a very um, tight, um, early, um, hard at it contest. Um, I think if we can get on top and, and get get our um, run and carry going, um, I think in the end. We probably walk away five to six goal win, um, but in, in saying that, I, I yeah, just I wouldn't be at all shocked. Um, you know, if at the end of the day Port happened to walk away with a, a one or two goal win, either it's it's one of those games where because of Port's form, you just you don't know which Port's going to turn up, the good Port or you know the the, the bad Port. So yeah, hopefully it's the bad Port again. Um, and, and, and we get to just march on again. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, I reckon the Tigers by 25 points. I think I agree with you. There's going to be pretty hard hitting in the first half, but I just can't see how their defenders are going to stop us from scoring a decent score. And I, I kind of feel like our midfield should be good enough to go head-to-head and not give them easy ball inside their Ford 50. But like you said, you just don't know what port's going to come out. So we could both be well off the mark there. But uh, hopefully we can get another win and make a real sneaky charge for a top four spot. Yeah, and then it sets up the massive one on Friday next week. Um, yeah, if results fall our way. So if, if we should, beat you know, Port and GWS beat Collingwood, which we would like to think they'll bounce back, uh, and Collingwood have got a lot of outs as well now, hashtag pies have injuries. Um, yes. <laughs> so if that th- both those results happen, then yeah, next Friday night we're playing for fourth spot, which adds a, a whole lot of spice to it. Oh, they'll be hanging off the rafters for that one as well. Absolutely. And a reminder, the game this week is on Saturday, July 20th at 1.45pm at the MCG. So just for you Port Adelaide fans who might be listening, you have to get onto a plane this round to actually come and play us. You can't just drive down the road to Adelaide Oval. So uh, we'll make sure there's people at the airport who can guide you to some hotels and to the MCG because it may not be a familiar area for you. Um, RT, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me, Michaels. No dramas. Until next time, go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers.